Get ready to be mind blown. And now for today's hashtag Lane Hack with Just The Tip. Run, don't walk your way to simplepassivecashflow.com and sign up for the Hooli Pipeline Club and get in on the deal flow. Hey guys, it's Lane here. Just wanted to talk a little bit about where I'm at these days. You guys know I just moved back to Hawaii and currently have 434 units under control with my partner. Uh, we have this MFPE Investments LLC, which stands for Multifamily Project Engineers. But um, yeah, I picked up a lot of these apartments in the last six months and also in contract for another 192 unit in San Antonio also that I'm looking up add to the portfolio. Maybe by the time this airs, I know I'm a little bit behind. It'll be under ownership by then. But as you guys know, my story is I started with the turnkey rentals and I've been kind of switching gears to do multifamily. And for a while there, I wasn't buying too much when I started this podcast. You know, trying to switch gears to multifamily is a completely different game of networking and vetting completely different deals, totally different lending. You know, a lot of the same mindsets with the, you know, how you're dealing with tenants, but again, totally different. I'm kind of seeing that I might be losing a lot of the beginning investors because they hear this high unit count and it, it seems really intimidating. I mean, as I, as I always come back to, it's like, if you're going to keep doing what you're doing with the stock market, you know what you're going to get. You're going to know you're going to get the 8 to 10%. And you know you're gonna what's going to happen. You're going to keep working at your job for another 30 or 40 years. And it all started just by starting something. And I'll admit, like, I started as an accidental landlord in this. So I didn't really have to, you know, burn the boats in the beginning to get this to get started. I kind of eased my way into it, and which I still agree that a lot of people should try something small, do a little turnkey rental here and get their feet wet and learn it from there. It's all about starting and not just being like an ostrich and sticking your head in the sand like what most people do. You know, they'll come to a real estate meeting, they'll hear the stories of, uh, you know, the good things and a lot of the bad stories and they'll just get analysis paralysis and ostrich their heads in the sand. I think you just need to start something. So I recorded my friend Christian Knight's speech, who is a writer. He's on his way to being a distinguished Toastmaster, which is sort of like the Eagle Scouts in Toastmasters. So here it is. Uh, just take a listen to it. A lot of good ideas in there um, to apply to your real estate investing or business or any new endeavor, even if it's a new job or uh, you know moving to somewhere new. The benefit of fear. Today, my objective is to discuss... Fear, controlling fear, and to offer some techniques that might help you control it. But to control fear, we first need to understand fear. And the best place to start for that, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld had a joke. The joke was about that fat toy we've all heard a gazillion times, that people are more afraid of speaking than they are of dying. That would mean, he said, that if you were at a funeral, You'd rather be the guy in the casket than the guy giving the eulogy. <laughs> Pretty funny, but it didn't make much sense to him, and it doesn't make much sense to me, until I looked into that factory. And there I found a clue that might explain it. Yes, people were more afraid of OGD than of dying. But it wasn't dying that they were necessarily afraid of. It was dying alone. Dying alone. Being alone in that most vulnerable hour. Alone is kind of how I'm feeling right now. 
you guys are all out there, you're in a group, you're looking at me, you're judging me, and my gut, crafted by six million years of evolution, is warning me that if I say something so stupid and offensive, you guys are going to reject me. Now, I know this isn't really true, but six million years of evolution says it's true in my gut. In fact, there's an evolutionary biologist, his name is Dr. Glenn Crossley, who wrote this book called The Real Story of Risk. And he describes the connection between belonging and survival. See, way back in the Serengeti, when we were just humans amongst these big predators, we didn't have any tools to survive. The other animals were bigger, stronger, faster, fierce. We were smaller, slower. We don't have claws. But what we did have was our wits, and we had each other. Connecting to the group for humans is surviving. And right now, I'm a little disconnected from the group. So my gut's telling me, you're not really surviving. You're endangering your survival. That's part of the reason speaking can be so scary. Now, this is also true with animals. Research from Purdue University, Dr. Kip Williams, who found in the animal kingdom, animals will expel members of their groups that are problematic for whatever reason. And within a short period of time, they die. If you think you are separated from this evolutionary self, you're wrong. 2017 is just as true as it was three million years ago. In a, in a meta-analysis of 148 studies, that's, a, that's basically one big study of a lot of studies, researchers found that loneliness was as dangerous as cigarettes and alcohol, and more dangerous. In fact, it increased your risk of death by 50%. Why? Because loneliness puts you in a state of fight or flight. And when you're in a state of fight or flight, you've got adrenaline going, that increases inflammation, it reduces your immune system. People who are lonely experience more micro-awakenings at night. So they're like this. That's your evolutionary self. That's your gut telling you that there's nobody around protect you in case a predator comes. So this fear emerges naturally when you come up in front of a group, when you have isolated yourself from the group. And it stunts our potential. It keeps us from signing our name in that little speaker slot. <laughs> it says if we're not completely prepared for a speech, you know what? I'm going to pass on this week and wait until I am really, really prepared. That's your gut talking. And my mantra is to ignore your gut. <laughs> we gotta get over this. And so today I'm gonna share with you four techniques that might help. The first is to embrace the fear. Embrace the fear. Ignore the gut, but embrace the fear and fear complacency. Fear heightens your senses. It sharpens your mind. A little fear can make you a better version of yourself. It's true in athletics. And it's true in public speaking. I come from two decades of whitewater bagging, where I've immersed myself intentionally in an environment of fear. And occasionally, I will see video of myself, and I will see a stroke that I made at just the right time that I had no idea I made. It saved me. And the only way I can explain that stroke in all that whitewater as I'm plummeting down a waterfall is fear. Fear is what sharpens my senses. Complacency. Complacency is what kills. Complacency is what swindles drivers into thinking that they can text on their phone while cruising seven miles per hour over a mountain pass. 
Complacency is what convinces a favorite that their opponent doesn't even belong in the same arena. And complacency is what convinces a speaker who maybe has given a thousand speeches that they really don't need to prepare for a speech. They don't need to think of any relevant stories, any relevant statistics. They don't need to plan out their points. They can just get up here and wing it. And complacency is what kills their audience. So if there's anything you should fear, it's complacency. And if there's anything you should embrace, it's fear. Now, of course, it's a little fear that keeps you sharp. Too much fear is debilitating. A little fear is exhilarating, right? We've all read the Muller Coasters. We know that to be true. How do you manage your fear? Well, that's step two. Step two is to visualize one of my best friends. For a time, he was the best kayaker in the world, the most extreme kayaker in the world. He had five world records, one of which was to kayak down the tallest waterfall ever kayaked. And that also meant that he ran rapids that nobody had ever run before, which means he never had the benefit of watching somebody run these rapids. Now, these rapids are heinous. When you look at them, you think there is no way through them. So the first thing you gotta do is you gotta scout it, of course. You gotta know where the hazards are. You gotta speculate what the consequences are. But Teo would also visualize it. He would close his eyes and he would take those paddle strokes through the rapid, moving his hips, moving where he needed to, and he would do this over and over and over again until he was ready. And then he would run the rapid and crush it. Now, most of us aren't whitewater kayakers. But I'll bet you some of you have been to karaoke. Some of you have been to karaoke, and I've been. If you're anything like me, you're not the first one to hop up there on the karaoke stage and start singing. You wait. You wait until somebody goes up there and just absolutely <laughs> fails. You want to see somebody fail. Like the virgin. <laughs> Touch for the very first task. Don't you feel better now? <laughs> about going up and doing karaoke now? That's because you know what the consequences of failure are. And that's part of visualization. Understanding exactly what the consequences are. Because fear magnifies its consequences without specifically defining what they are. And that is one of the most paralyzing elements of fear. So understand what the consequences are. And you do that by visualization. The third technique is experience. When I first moved here, I, unbeknownst to me, inherited a backyard class 5 packing. It's called Road Canyon. It's five miles past five rapids, deep in a gorge, big, powerful rapids with sharp rocks. It's a classic river, but I didn't like it because uh, 10 years earlier, I had this terrible experience. I lost my boat, I had to climb the canyon wall. I didn't end up getting out until way past dark, so I wanted to stay away. But I realized I was squandering a really valuable asset, a really valuable asset. And so I knew I needed to learn to love this place. And the only way to learn to love it was actually go in there and do it, no matter how scared I was. So I went in there every weekend, maybe twice a weekend, and paddled it, and paddled it. On some days, I would go out and I would scout each rapid so I understood exactly where the problem spots were, exactly where the good spots were. And over time, I became so comfortable with it that I began competing in races down this river. Eventually, I would go out on solo lunch hour runs, all by myself, just me and the king. So I went from avoiding it altogether to going in there all by myself. And the only connection between the two was experience, forcing myself to do it. The fourth technique. 
We talk a lot about syndications on this podcast, and most of the time, these offers are only for those with an accredited status per the rules of the SEC. Now sponsoring the Simple Passive Casual podcast is the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, empowering investors to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages. The AHP fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes. It's an opportunity to earn returns while feeling good about making positive social impact. You can start investing with as little $100. You can learn more at investinahp.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. The last technique is what I call eyes on the prize. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. In football, they teach you to follow the ball all the way to your hands. Don't look away. Don't turn and run before you have that ball in your hands. In baseball, follow that ball all the way to the bat before swinging. And it's the same way in public speaking. Of course... In the public speaking realm, when I'm avoiding eye contact with you, I'm essentially blind. I'm essentially trying to catch that football with my eyes closed, which I think is why when I'm reading the text, as I did last week in front of the group, I start to get really nervous. Because as I'm reading, I have no idea what you guys are thinking. I have no idea what you're doing. I'm in the dark. But when I make eye contact, when I make genuine eye contact, I'm getting feedback. I'm connecting to the group which is the opposite of alienation. How many of you guys have ever taken that mind in the eyes test? It's a test that, that asks you to determine what emotion is in a picture of a person's face that's cropped like this. All you can see is the eyes and brow on the top of the nose. Most Americans get 22 to 30 out of 36 of those right. In a glance, which means just by looking at each of you, I can tell whether you're bored, whether you're intrigued, whether you're angry, whether you're about to fall asleep, and that's feedback. And feedback is part of connection. And connection is the opposite of alienation. But when I choose to just do the, the cliche eye contact, that is kind of like this, I'm not really absorbing my audience. I'm unleashing six million years of evolution, six million years of primal fear upon myself. And really, it's as easy as keeping your eyes on the prize. So if you do that, and if you get experience, and if you visualize, I can guarantee you that your fear will no longer usurp your voice. Thank you. And we're back. Here's KitKat ad that uh, is voiced by Jason Statham. That is a good follow-up to the last speech by, again, that was Christian Knight. More about the uh, the salmon swimming upstream. And it's kind of like our lives. We uh, we go through life, we work, and at the end of it, all we end up doing is we die somewhere swimming upstream. So it's hopefully it triggers a lot of different thoughts of what we're doing. And, you know, we might as well go ahead and take advantage of the time we have and go for something worth going for, whether it's a first turnkey rental, first rental, first hundred unit apartment, whatever it is, just keep making progress, keep swimming upstream. The salmon. The salmon spends its life relentlessly striving to get upstream. With ceaseless endeavor, it fights the currents of massive rivers, drags itself over rocks and shallow water, forces its way up huge waterfalls, never stops, never rests, just battles and battles its way upstream. Finally, heroically, reaches its goal, and it's absolutely naked. 
and it dies. Remember, you are not a salmon. To close the loop on this Mindset podcast, I wanted to uh, first ask you guys if you guys could leave me a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that. I know uh, you guys hear that all the time, but I mean, there's not too many reviews on there. There's uh, just shy under 100. Really like to get above there. Really helps attract better podcast guests. And uh, if you guys, if you uh, want to shoot me an email, always lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. If you guys are interested in the deals that come out on the Hui Deal Pipeline Club, please go to the website and sign up for that. Also, go to the networking tab and click on that to get access. Uh, so here is the last clip here, more about doing what you love. This is the famous fisherman story. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but the the catch is figure out what your goal is. Because I talked to a lot of you guys over the phone and, you know, some of you guys don't have too much real estate yet. You have these big lofty goals of I want $20,000 a month or $50,000 a month. But I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa where, where is this where is this coming from, right? Like what what kind of lifestyle are you trying to achieve what do you want to do? I mean, me personally, all I'm shooting for is to, you know, first being able to uh, replace my income so I don't have to work at a job or I don't want to have that feeling that I have to keep going. And then kind of get to that $10,000 a month passive cash flow level. Again, it's tax-free, so it's a lot more than your average W-2, $100,000K job. And then I just want to take things from there. I mean, more I'm more of a minimalist. You know, I don't need fancy things. For me, it's more about the freedom. Take a listen to this. Again, another Kit Kat clip from Jason Statham. And think about applying it to your life and leave me an iTunes review. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Is this American on holiday in Mexico? Yeah, that's great, Justin. Yeah, you must be stupider than you look. I haven't lost money since the 70s, amigo. I was eating fish in this beautiful little restaurant on the beach. Great fish. He says to the restaurant owner, say. How many do you catch in a day? The Mexican glances at his fishing boat and replies that he likes to catch a few fish in the morning. Take the afternoons off, play with the kids, swim in the sea. I'm sure there's plenty more fish out there just as good as that. Says the yank. You know, you should borrow some money, buy some more boats. Then you can hire men to fish for you. Start a whole chain of restaurants right across Mexico. Mexican smiles politely as the yank continues. Hell. Yeah. Worked hard enough after a few years, you might get someone to manage it for you. And maybe you could just work mornings, take the afternoons off, you know, play with the kids, swim in the sea. Hmm. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. Was approved by Lane Kawaoka, an efficiency and productivity expert, traditionally educated with a BS in industrial engineering, master's in civil engineering and construction management, and professionally licensed engineer in Washington State. With over a decade of infield experience, supervising construction crews and managing over $100 million capital projects in both bureaucratic, public, and corporate private sectors. And by the way, every situation is different, and remember to think for yourself.